Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit destinydayton.com. If you'd like to go ahead and stand, you can. That would be great to honor the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 12, 3 through 6 is what we're going to actually read together. Hebrews 12, 3 through 6. And then I'm going to invite you, if you want to, you can sit down after that because I want to read another passage. I'm going to, the Lord just dropped this into my spirit this morning during worship. I want to take you uh, to this other segment also in in 1 Corinthians. But here we go. Hebrews 12, verses 3 to 6. How many are there already? Nice. All right. Verse 3. Think of him who endured. Everyone say endured. Such opposition against himself by sinners so that you may not grow weary in your soul and give up. Now, that that verse right there just just really grabbed me this week. Think of him. Who's it talking about? Jesus. Think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners so that you may not grow weary in your souls and give up. You have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed in your struggle against sin. Now that could sound harsh, and I don't know how they would have taken it 2,000 years ago. Some people today would probably take that harshly. You would say, well, you're criticizing my ability to resist. I don't know. I'm of the opinion always if the shoe fits, wear it gladly and smile and, and, you know, tip your cap and thank somebody for telling you the truth. But he says, you have not yet resisted to the point of bloodshed in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. That's what we always say, you know, discipline is actually love, isn't it? It sure is. It sure is. There's a whole bunch of folk in prison today that never had a loving father to discipline them, to pull their pants down and spank their rear end when they needed it. It's true. The Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son he accepts. You think about it. why Why would he discipline somebody that doesn't belong to him? He wouldn't. I can go to a restaurant or somewhere and see other people's kids act up. I don't, even, I, I don't even pay attention because they're not my kids. They're not my responsibility. But when there's ownership, come on, Mom, Dad, you've been there. You felt embarrassed if your kids were in a restaurant. Like, oh, because they're your kids. You love them. You don't want them to <laughs> act out. Verse 3, think of him who endured such opposition against himself by sinners so that you may not grow weary in your soul and give up. Lord Jesus, thank you for the power of your word. God, I pray you would strengthen the weary in soul today. In Jesus' name, 
In Jesus' name. Friends, in a moment, we're going to pray. We're going to have an altar call. Some of you will respond. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray that the Lord will strengthen and encourage your weary soul. The Lord showed me there are some either watching by video or you're here live in this room today, and you have grown weary in your soul, and the Lord is wanting to restore you and strengthen you. And I just believe the power of the Holy Spirit is resonant in that place to refresh you and restore you. And I believe it is critical because I believe some of you while you are here today, uh, if you continue down the weary path that you're on, you won't be serving God in a year. And the Lord is wanting to refresh you and strengthen you inside. And here we have the blessing of the warning from Scripture. Don't grow weary, because if you grow weary, you're going to give up. So Jesus, let this word just explode in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. While you have your Bible open, turn real quick to 1 Corinthians 9, and you can, you can be seated. 1 Corinthians 9, let's look at verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, how many are there? All right, you guys are awesome. Look at verse 24. Do you not know that all runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Everyone say run to win. What's he talking about? Serving Jesus. Serving God. He's comparing it to a race. Run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or box like one who only is hitting the air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it my slave. I love that. I will make my own body my slave. That's what self-control is. So that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, you know, when these letters were written by Paul, in this case, there weren't chapter breaks. So I want you just to pop to, to chapter 10, because this is just continuing his sentence, right? Sometimes you think, oh, new chapter, new idea. Nope, he's carrying on from what he just said. For I do not want you, verse 1, chapter 10, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They all sat in services like we just had this morning. They all were felt the presence of the Lord. They all saw the miraculous. They all had all kinds of reasons never to give up. Are you, are you catching this? He's saying, remember, right? They all passed under the cloud. They all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses. See, I love when we look at the word like you know, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I say, I wonder, well, what kind of baptism are we talking about here? Because there's like seven or eight different baptisms in the New Testament. And here's one of them. They got baptized into Moses. What's that mean? Good question. I'm full of good questions today in the cloud and the sea, verse 3, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. They all heard the same sermons. They all had the same Bible. They all had the same, and they read it, and for they were all drinking from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. 
Okay, he's setting this up here because this is going to connect back to Hebrews 12, where I'm going to go back to in just a second. But I just want you to see some connection here because there's lots of Old Testament connection in Hebrews, and there's obviously a lot of Old, Te Old Testament connection in a lot of the New Testament. So whenever someone says the Old Testament's not for today, turn off your TV, turn off YouTube, uh, turn them off. They're a heretic. I could say names. One of these days I'll walk up here and I'll have a list. I'm I'm, I've got to call these people out, but I'm not going to do that today. It's not my purpose. Today. Verse 5, but God was not pleased with most of them. For they were cut down in the wilderness. These things happened as examples for who? For us. So that we will not crave evil things as they did. So not to be idolaters, as some of them were. As it, is written, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let us not be immoral, as some of them were. And 23,000 died in a single day. And let us, let us not put Christ to the test, as some of, some of them did. And they were destroyed by snakes. And do not complain as some of them did. And they were killed by the destroyer. He's basically going back and he's saying, okay, here's our example. The children of Israel had all kinds of miracles. They had all kinds of victories. They saw God do all kinds of things. They were all baptized together into Moses. He was their leader. They bought in. They were like, yes, Moses is the man. And they were all in. And they heard and they saw all this great stuff. And despite that, a segment of them still backslid. Right? These things happened to them, verse 11, these things happened to them as examples and were written for whose instruction? Here, uh, our instruction. On whom the ends of ages have now come. So let the one who thinks he is standing be careful that he does not fall. No trial. This is starting to sound like Hebrews 12 here. No trial is overtaking you that he is not faced by others, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tried beyond what you are able to bear, but with the trial will also provide a way out so that you may be able to endure it. Endure is a great word. Endure means to last. Endure means to remain in existence. Endure means to be patient in the middle of suffering. I love the word endure. As somebody who's a little bit of a fan of sports, I have the most utmost respect for the, what they call the endurance sports. When I see the guys on the bikes or running the marathons or you know, the, the ladies that do that too, man, I mean, obviously, it, it's like an amazing thing that people have built up so much human endurance that they can plow through whatever that task is. I think, man, your muscles got to be aching. You got to be cramping up. There's got to be parts of you that just think, oh, man, I just, you know, it'd feel really good to stop running right now. It'd feel really good to stop pedaling. But there's something. In it. They had built up this endurance so they can stay in the game. They stay in existence. And, and they are patient in the pain. They are patient in the suffering. And as a result, they last. And this is the exact language that the writer of Hebrews and, by extension here, Paul here would we went to 1 Corinthians, he is saying we have to be a people that endure because he's saying there's all kinds of reasons why that endurance is, is going to be tried to be stolen from you. But we're going to 
take the Hebrew perspective here. And he clearly says in verse 3, don't grow weary in your soul and give up. Think of how Jesus endured and the hatred and the abuse that he took from sinners. And, and the writer here says, thinking of that will help us keep our minds fixed on Jesus so that we won't grow weary and give up, right? I believe, my friends, hear me, the number one enemy of our lives in Christ post-salvation is one thing, it's spiritual weariness. I believe COVID has exposed the church on a lot of things. I think this is one of the areas that's being exposed. There are people who have not come back to church, and some of them probably may have legitimate reasons. That's wonderful. But I want to tell you, there's a whole host of other folks that do not. And what has happened, they have become spiritually weary. They have become spiritually defeated. And now COVID just becomes a convenient excuse why I no longer can come to church. And it's a lie of the devil. And these friends, I got to tell you, those folks, we, we have to, and again, we're not pointing fingers because we always have to gauge our own hearts. But it's, we've got to wake up from that because we'll lose, our, we'll lose out with God. Convenient excuse has popped up for my spiritual weariness. Beware. And I'm talking about weariness of a spiritual nature, obviously. Because when the Bible says you, you, you uh, grow weary of soul here, the word soul, it's, it's speaking of, in Greek, it's your suke, it's your, it's your life inside, it's your inner self, it's, it's your soul, right? So it's not talking about physical weariness. Physical weariness obviously can be another problem, but usually that can be taken care of by a little nappy. Go to bed a little earlier, you'll be fine, Right? If a good night's sleep doesn't take care of it, you may have something else wrong with you that you need to go to a doctor for, right? It's not normal to continue to be physically weary, and usually there's an issue at, at, at bay, but for the majority of people, if you're physically tired, you know what? We can go to bed a little earlier, we can take a nap, and, and that usually addresses that. But one thing that they are focusing on here in this passage, or he is focusing on this passage, is do not let your soul become weary, because he says, if your soul becomes weary, you're going to give up. The theme of Hebrews, as you've heard me say 24 times now, is don't give up. Because everything in this sinful fallen planet is geared to anything that's not in Christ or of the church or of the Holy Spirit. It's geared to do what? To bring that drag against you, to drag you back to the world, to drag you back to what you were. That's why we read these passages like from Paul or in Hebrews here. And it sounds familiar today because you realize, you know, human nature, we really haven't changed a whole lot in the several thousand years. Or however long it's been. Human nature. And here's the writer of Hebrews. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, listen, you've got to endure, but don't grow weary in your souls because that will, that will be what undoes you. Undoes you. Undoes you. <laughs> undoes you, y'all. All right. It's vitally important that we don't become weary in following Christ. Physical weariness, one thing. Spiritual weariness, my friends, if left unchecked, can damn our souls to hell. We have to learn to differentiate between the two. In Matthew 28, Jesus spoke of guarding your soul when he said, don't fear the one who can kill your body. 
but rather fear the one who can kill your body and your suke. If you lose this will to fight in here, if you lose this in here, you've lost it all. Why Jesus further said in Matthew 16, 26, Jesus reinforced the importance of our soul. He said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his own suke? What will it profit a man? So we need to keep watch over our souls in this area, my friend. Spiritual weariness is a deadly enemy. And you say, well, why, why is spiritual weariness so dangerous? Because spiritual weariness leads to us giving up and us quitting and us turning back and us turning away from God. Remember the theme of Hebrews, not only don't give up, but it's keep going on, keep serving God. Keep believing. Keep pressing forward. You can sometimes see when a person in their face, when they've gotten weary in their soul. You can look in the eye of somebody. I've seen this in the church realm over the last 20 or 30 years, and it's always sad because I, I see it sometimes. And please don't ask me after service, oh, Pastor, what do you see when you see me? No, don't ask. Mostly all good. But I see people that have spiritual weariness in their eyes. And I see people that suddenly who were formerly, formally engaged, they formerly were, were all in, suddenly they begin to develop a, a distant attitude. They become disconnected in their attitude. They used to go hard for God. Now it looks as if it takes great effort. Almost looks like they're running through mud sometimes spiritually. And they're working so incredibly hard to try to. And it becomes more of a striving effort. And it becomes more of a burden. It becomes more of a, you know what I'm saying? It becomes a tough thing for them to just to do the basic things of serving the Lord. Really what's happened is it's not that they become weary physically. They become weary spiritually. And someone might say, well, why don't you go up and tell those people? Well, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, because oftentimes people get real defensive when you talk about stuff like that. I'm about to jump down on that cricket right there, Miss Mary. I don't know about you. I see it. <laughs> Everybody look, there's a cricket. Mary, he's coming to you. Lord, send him to Mary. She wants to crush him. No. <laughs> as long as he don't start chirping, he can stay. How's that? All right. Paul asked the question in Galatians 5, 7. I love this passage. What happened to my verse? There it is. Coming back to it. Paul said, you were running well. What prevented you from obeying the truth? You were doing good. You were running well. What has obstructed you? So I want to dive in here on these couple verses because I believe with all my heart, if we are going to endure... Adam, just do the deed on that thing, man. Just get up and drop the hammer. We all will celebrate. We're going to give you an applause. Yeah! Thank you. Okay. <laughs> People at home saying, dear God, what's going on up there? I can't quite see. That's good. That's good. Another reason why you want to come to church, you get to see stuff like that live and in person. Or not so live in this case. <laughs> If 
if I'm going to endure, because this is the advice we hear, and we'll hit it again next week as we move on the next few verses in Hebrews, but he says we've got to endure, and if we're going to endure, we cannot have a weary soul, and we've got to address this weary soul. So here's the question. How do I fix weary? Because listen, all of us at time to time will become weary in our soul. Weary affects your church attendance. Did you know that? It's not that you're physically tired. Come on, I had people say, I said, come on, man, you're half my age. There's no way you feel more physically worn out than I do. No way, no way you're going to sell that to me. Well, I'm tired. Mm. Warning flag. You better make sure it's not spiritual weariness. Physical tiredness can be dealt with. Spiritual weariness can destroy your life in Christ. One piece at a time. So here's the deal. This is what I've. This is what the Lord has spoken to me. Uh, how can I fix weary? All right. Maybe that could have been the title of the message. It's okay. It is what it is. It's endure because we're talking about addressing our endurance. So to address our endurance, we have to fix weary. So number one, here's what I want to say. If we're going to fix weary, we have to own it. It's not your pastor's fault. It's not your church's fault. If you're not getting discipled, it's not your church's fault. Not your pastor's fault. Not your teacher's fault. Not your small group leader's fault. Right? I know we, we, the, the buck likes to be passed. If we are not where we need to be in Christ, if we don't have the same flame, if we don't have the same passion, we have no one to blame, my friend. But we've got to own it. It's not my daddy's fault. Not my mommy's fault. It's not someone else's. It's not society. It's not the president's. It's not the culture. It's my fault. I can take you through a lot of times in history when things were way worse. And their church was full of people thriving. People talk about how bad things are in America. I laugh. People are oppressed in America. Oh, really? Where are they? I see tens of thousands lined up at the border trying to get into this country. It must not be too bad. I saw people falling off of planes in Kabul airport in Afghanistan because they talk about oppression they are so oppressed in Afghanistan there were people at the airport clinging the landing gear of those c5 transport planes and as the plane you all saw the video as the planes went up bodies were falling off why that's oppression when you live in a country like that that oppresses people that's what the results you get we have nobody down here at the Dayton airport trying to grab onto landing gear so they can get out if you want to talk oppression let me see that then I'll agree with you but my point is, in the midst of those atmospheres, there's churches that thrive. The church in Afghanistan has been exploding in the past few years. And, and those Christians, and, in, and I call this out all the time, but in Nigeria, they're, they're undergoing tremendous persecution. And they are thriving. And they are full of fire. And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Your circumstances tend to be irrelevant because our God loves to show up when his people will say, Lord, I need need you. Consume the fire on this altar, God. Consume myself that I've laid on the altar. The writer of Hebrews says carefully, he said, consider Jesus. Consider means to think out carefully, to reason thoroughly. Why? So you may not grow weary in your soul and give up. Right? He's talking directly to us like that's our responsibility. Right? Consider Jesus. 
If you feel weary in your spirit as you're owning this, right? That's, that's the point one, right? That's what's on the screen. If I'm going to own this, I'm going to consider Jesus. I think I'm worn out spiritually. How about Jesus? If I'm struggling spiritually, I felt like giving up sometimes. Consider what Jesus went through, and he still made it. And he, and he did this not as God, but as man. Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. And he came to earth in the flesh as a man. Because you see, people say, well, he's God. Yeah, if I was God, I could. No, 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 no. When he was on earth, the Bible says in Philippians 2 or 3, he laid aside that Godhead for a moment. And that applies to his miracles, too. Oops. There went that excuse. Well, if I, could, if I was the son of God, I could, you know, I could do miracles. Oh, Jesus laid that aside. Oh, yeah. Jesus pressed through all of that. And when Jesus had many, the Bible says in John 6, right? It's a powerful. The book of John is just ridiculously powerful. But John chapter 6, the Bible says many disciples. We, we often think that Jesus had 12 people and they all walked around in single file line all over the Middle East. That wasn't true. Jesus had hundreds of disciples. Hundreds. He had 12 close ones. <laughs> a couple of them wrote some of the Gospels, right? They're the ones that witnessed his resurrection along with, you know, a couple hundred others. Jesus had a lot of disciples. In John 6, the Bible says, could you imagine Jesus going through this? Imagine how tough that would have been because John 6, it says that many of them left him. Many of his disciples, things got tough. They heard a tough sermon. They heard a tough word. They said, well, we're going to go over here and listen to their sermon because their sermons are easy on us over here. And Jesus was giving them the tough word, and they didn't want to bite it, and they didn't want to take it. They didn't want to drink it because he was talking about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And the Bible says in that moment, many of his disciples left him. How do you think Jesus felt with that? Right? It would have been easy to say, ah, oh, you bunch of ingrates, you'll never get it. I'm done with this. When his closest friends left him and denied him, and Peter said, I don't even know the man. He could have thought, why am I even bothering? You know what? I am done with this. This is over for me. I can put it up with the Pharisees. I can put up with it with the scribes and the, and the devil himself. But man, when the people that are supposedly my disciples, they turn their back, forget these guys. But he didn't. And I suggest that in some ways that was maybe some of the worst that he endured as I'm considering Jesus. Didn't even come necessarily from his enemies. And you might say, well, yeah, his enemies beat him and crucified. Yeah, but that was even for us. <laughs> How'd you like to be denied by your best friend and then go die for his sins? <laughs> he didn't even know my name. He didn't even know my, he, 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 was, he was standing around some maids. They, they, there, was no one every, there was no one holding the sword. There, there was no one threatening. And he denied me. He was my friend. And now I'm going to take a beating for him because I still love him. See, when you consider Jesus, it makes our problems come into perspective, I think, a little bit, doesn't it? 
That's why the writer of Hebrews wanted to be in a smart aleck. He said, you haven't resisted to the point of blood yet. And if you have, please let me know because we, we'll, we'll take up a Christmas offering for you. We will support you. I'm serious. I'm not joking. We'll be all behind you. 100%. It'll happen someday. There'll be somebody come to me. Pastor, I was beaten for my faith at work. I was fired and several people beat me bloody. It'll happen. It'll happen. And if I'm still your pastor, I'll be right behind you. I'll, I'll be standing with you. just want to tell you that, as will a bunch of people in this room. You see, Jesus endured what he endured because of you and me. So when, if I'm going to fix my spiritual weariness, it got to begin by admitting that I'm not once where I was in my spiritual passion for God, and I've got to stop making excuses, I've got to stop blaming, and I've got to own it. You've heard me quote from Revelation 2, verse 3, the church of Ephesus, the one of the letters, seven letters, one of the seven letters to the, the churches. And Jesus actually commended the Ephesian church on this very point. You can look this up. Not now, but Jesus said, I do, I do want to commend you for this. You have not grown weary. Same word. Ephesian church, you've got some other problems, right? You've lost your first love, and that's, that needs to be rectified. That needs to be repented of. But I do want to commend you. You have not grown weary. We are also told in Scripture not to become weary in well-doing. For we will reap a harvest in due time if we don't faint or to you and I in 2021 give up. Don't give up. If I'm weary spiritually, i got to own it. I'm going to stop blaming COVID. Stop blaming other things. Listen, friend, COVID is going to be COVID. I've said this before. Feel free to get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine. Feel free to wear a mask or don't wear a mask. That's your choice. The only person responsible for your health is you. You make those choices, period, right? But I want to tell you, the, the floors of the hospitals here in the Miami Valley are filled with people who have been vaccinated and who have not been vaccinated. There are people that have died unvaccinated. There are people that I know that have died from the vaccine, or at least it appears that way. There's a spike in strokes and blood clots all of a sudden and healthy young people t two days later. I've, okay, okay, I'm not here to debate all that because I know that's everybody's like, oh, but, but have you read? And I, I, that's not the point. My point is this is the current controversial thing that the, this is the latest thing from hell. And I, I think we all agree on that. COVID is from hell. And I, this is the latest thing to get Christians distracted, to get each other at each other's throat, to get us arguing about things that really don't matter at the end of the day, to get us all worked up about stuff. And we get distracted from the very thing that matters most. And that is our relationship with Jesus Christ and our love for our brothers and sisters. These are the things, my friends that we can't lose focus on. So that's why we don't let COVID come in the way between us and Jesus or us and our brothers and sisters. So we're going to own that. We're going to own that personally, and we're going to say, you know what? If there's a bit of spiritual weariness in me, it's no one's fault. I'm owning it. And I'm going to see it gets fixed in Jesus' name. Jesus endured, so can I. Everyone say that. Jesus endured, so can I. Yeah, but Pastor Eric, you don't know. There's people just pushing my buttons. 
People pushing my buttons in the Lord. I have a word for you. The Lord would say to you, get rid of your buttons in Jesus' name. Therefore, there'll be no buttons to push. If you have no buttons to be pushed, no one can push them. We've all been there. What's happening is what, what we're exposing is our own immaturity in the areas that God is trying to get us to grow up in. They push my buttons. Oh, you, what's a button? Can I tell? Okay, that's an area of growth. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's an area of growth. And growing can be painful. Right? Overcoming spiritual weariness can be painful. And unfortunately for many, growth won't happen until the pain of buttons being pushed exceeds the pain of growth. But it doesn't have to be that way. It's always preferable for me to own it and say, Jesus, help me die to myself in this area. Heal my heart in this area. God, I've grown weary. And if it's not this church, it'll be the next church I go to and the next church and the next church. And that's 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 the American legacy. People that have been members of 35 different churches because they go from here to there. And I understand I'm not saying people, God doesn't call you from place to place. OK, I'm not I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying this is church hop spirit that people have today. And what it is, they've got buttons that God wants to heal and they've got spiritual weariness that they think I'll just change my scenery and guess what the same things will crop up at the next place Galatians 2:20 I call this the button free christianity verse right here <laughs> but I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live. How many know you can't push a dead man's buttons? How many of you know that? Yeah? Can't do it. Can't rile up a dead man. It is no longer I live, but Christ that lives within me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like when someone buys your kids the most annoying, noisy toys possible at Christmas time. You ever been there? They buy the kids that one toy. And if you're a grandparent, they, the mom and dad are like, oh, we're going to leave that at your house, Grandpa. Mm-mm. That'll be so deep in the toy box, they'll never find it again. <laughs> and they come to your house, and then they're, you just see their feet coming out of the toy box like a dumpster, and they're looking for that one toy. Oh, I found it, Grandpa! <laughs> So you do what any enterprising father or grandpa does. You find your screwdriver when they're not around, and you take the batteries out of it. <laughs> and then you, you meet them at the door with that toy. Here, honey, play with it. Oh, it's no fun anymore. It doesn't get the attention that they used to get. No buttons. So I'm going to own this thing. You with me? No excuse. I'm going to consider Christ. Christ went through it all for us. He endured far more than us. If I'm weary, I'm going to fix it by recognizing I own it because the ownership was placed on me here in Hebrews 12.3. Don't become weary because then you'll quit. How do I fix weary? I'm convinced that as we fix our eyes on Jesus and consider Jesus, right, all this really coming together in the first few verses here in Hebrews 12 is a matter uh, of 
understanding that we fix weary by frequently drinking from the source of life and strength. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your suke. John 4 gives us another epic picture of what we call the woman at the well. Remember, Jesus is there, and, and she offers him a drink, and he comes back with, I've got water to give you. If you drink this, you'll never be thirsty. You won't want any other kind of water but this right here. And she's like, well, please tell me. And, and, and he goes, well, why don't you go get your husband, and I'll share it with him too. And she goes, well, actually, I'm not living with my husband. And he goes, you've spoken correctly. You've actually lived with five different men, and the man, man you're living with now is not your husband. And she said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. He said, no, 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 I'm the son of God. No, <laughs> he goes, yeah, call me what you want. But I love what he said to her. The water that I will give to the one who drinks it, it will become in him. This is the only place this word springing up is used in relation to the water that Jesus gives. It will become in him a fountain of water springing up. I, I, you ever seen like a big nice fountain in front of a big hotel? I, this is the picture I get. It's a fountain that springs up. It's a source that's got some serious water pressure behind it. And Jesus said, if you will drink this water, you'll never be the same. You'll never be the same. And I want to tell you something we got in our minds, church, that once we got saved, we can stop drinking. But I want to tell you that's not what the Bible tells us. That's not what the Bible teaches. Just because we've come to Christ, we need to drink all the more. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit now because some Yehu will go out here and say, oh, pastor said we got to drink more. I'm talking about drinking the Holy Spirit, although he is the new wine, right? Okay. And it begs the question right now, what well are you drinking from? What are you using to comfort yourself? This is, this is kind of some deep thinking here. Because the Holy Spirit is life. He is living water. Can I ask you, church, what are you trying to recharge your batteries with? Yeah, I need to get away and recharge my batteries. Maybe. Maybe you need to get in the Word. Maybe you need to lay on your face and pray in tongues for an hour. Maybe you need to treat your wife nice and kind and serve your husband and, and, and do things that you weren't, weren't doing before. Maybe, maybe you need to give a little bit more. Maybe you need to start tithing. Maybe you need to start, you know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you need to start, uh, because I want to tell you, there, there's spiritual refreshment as we move in faith in the Holy Spirit. Because it takes faith to do some of those things I just mentioned. <laughs> Probably all of it, really. See, I, I, I would propose to you this morning, I believe, or now afternoon, I would propose to you that the reason why some are gotten weary is because you haven't been drinking enough Holy Ghost. And that old school part of me loves saying Holy Ghost, brother. I got to tell you that, man. I, every once in a while I slip back to that king, and I just, I just like that. <laughs> See, I'm convinced, and, and, and I have to tell you, it's not only because I read it. That ought to be enough. I read it in the Word. But I can just tell you, I've experienced it. 
you don't you you won't believe this about your pastor, but man, I, I have wanted to quit so many times. I've wanted to give up. I have felt depressed. I I, I feel like I'm I'm about, I've said this before. I'm about ten minutes away from total depression. That's a great statement of faith, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just being I'm just being one honey with you today, right? I know that's gross for someone like me to say that, but it's funny to me if no one else. So, But when I walk into this prayer room, which is really, this is what this is. We've spent far more hours in here praying than we've ever had having church in here. When I walk into God's presence, something happens. See, I've discovered the devil will let me read my Bible. He'll let you go to Bible studies. And you see people re- read the Bible, and they're not they're atheists. You see people studying the Bible. And, and oftentimes, and I'm not criticizing Bible studies. I think they're fine. They have a place. But honestly, what you have a couple of hungry people, and then you have some people that can't wait to show off how much they know. <laughs> but I've seen very precious few people ever backslide who are committed to prayer. Very few. I would suggest spirit and word, right? That, that, would be, that would be my thing, both together. But I want to tell you with a slight emphasis to prayer. And your pastor is telling you this today, a slight emphasis to prayer. Because in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you will be transformed. You will be recharged. Your spirit man will find strength for the day. Now, how about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is its own problem. But today, I will find strength for today in the presence of the Lord. Tomorrow, I got to get my water for tomorrow. I won't worry about tomorrow's water today. I'm going to worry about today's water, right? That's how sometimes you got to walk it out. I'm going to worry about today's water. And it's available. What well are you drinking from? Because you see, spiritual weariness is often a sign of an empty prayer life. Or maybe you've been in the prayer room, but prayer room hasn't been in you. It's, it's a water of intimacy with Jesus that refreshes. See, the Bible tells us that the same Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of us who've been reborn and made new. See, if that's not your experience, something is wrong. It's time to surrender self. Go back to the source. Go back to the fountain. Go back to the one who gives living water and drink. That's why we have to fix our eyes. That was last week. Fix our eyes on Jesus. This week he says, consider Jesus. Okay, I'm closing. Someone said about time. Holy cow. How do I fix weary? See, I'm pulling from all over Hebrews for this one. I know this isn't exactly verse by verse, but it's kind of sort of, but it's, it's definitely in the realm of Hebrews, all right, which is our target. Yes, my yoke is easy. How do I fix weary? I have to have a support system around me. I have to have a support system around me. The Bible would refer to this as a church family. A support system is like having a team, a spiritual family, to ward off spiritual weariness. Now, I I, want to just remind this to you because we talked about this a few weeks ago. Does this add some new light on what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10.25? Not abandoning ourselves, our own meetings, as some are in the habit of, but encouraging each other even more because you see the day drawing near. You see the point in that now? Do, are, are you seeing the importance of this? It, it, it's, it, it's something powerful and valuable that is had that we can't get other places when we gather with other believers. It is a support system that keeps me from getting spiritually weary. 
I, I've used this as an excuse so many times. Now, y'all are probably sick of hearing it, and you probably think, gosh, I wish you would really, you know, really, really keep working out more and talk about it less. But working out alone is just a great example of this, right? I can get some results when I work out alone. But if you've ever worked out alone and then worked out with a group of people, like in a class, you realize you've been operating with something by yourself. It's called a halo effect. You, you go hard, get a little sweat. Oh, I've, I've done good enough for today. That's good. I'm out of breath, right? But then you get in a class, and you're running your lap, and you get passed by a 76-year-old man. And I'm thinking, whoa, it's a little embarrassing. Nothing wrong with being 76. But when you're 21 years younger than that and you're being passed by them, I think, well, you know what? I don't think I was pressing hard enough when I was in there by myself working. It's the same way in the body of Christ. There are times, my friends, that you can't deny. We have to have a body around us. We have to have brothers and sisters encouraging us because it gives us strength. It's part of the cure of spiritual weariness is the body of Christ. But I've discovered, I don't know about you, there is a devil that sits over the door at your gymnasium where you work out. There's a devil that sits there. Yes, sir. He sits over the door. And when you try to get back to the gym, I was hearing this devil a couple weeks ago. He gets on your shoulder as you're walking in, and he says, everybody's looking at you. You haven't been to the Y in so long. They're going to wonder what you're doing here. Everybody's judging you. You've gained an extra 20 pounds, and they can tell. And look, they all think they're better than you. They're all wondering why now. Why are you here? Why do you even bother? Look at you. All these other people, they're done. They can go home. But you? You know, the devil's a liar. You know, it's funny. The same devil that'll, that'll get on your shoulder at that moment, he won't, he won't peep a word about how you shouldn't eat that whole large pizza by yourself at 11 o'clock at night, though. He'll be, where's he at then? You know, he's silent when you get the big, huge bowl of ice cream at 9.30 at night. Say, this is going to give me heartburn. All that. That's okay. Give me the whole bowl. You try to substitute it with cottage cheese, and cottage cheese is like a big bowl of cheese curds, except they're not fried. I guess they're supposed to be healthier. I don't know. But the devil will be silent then. But it's only when you're trying to get healthy. It's only when you're trying to get some body transformation happening and then suddenly here comes this lying spirit to hinder you awesome you know where i'm coming right now come on hold your seat the devil will say you gotta go to the bathroom right now you hold on you see i've discovered something else see apparently that same devil sits and waits over the entrance of our church also And you come in, and this devil gets in your ear, and he's so bad, you can't even hear what the preacher says sometimes. So bad, you misinterpret the kindness of people around you. And this devil is whispering, everybody is looking at you. 
everybody's judging you. Everyone thinks they're better than you. They wonder why you bother to come. I mean, look at you. You haven't been here so long. It's obvious. It's satanic. In fact, when people say, well, church is a bunch of people that judges. I, 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 I'm starting to call baloney on that. I think that's a lie. There may be a couple churches somewhere in redneck America that would look down on somebody, you know, but I, 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 don't, I don't know any church like that. In fact, this church and most churches I'm associated with, the more broken you come in, the more they reach out in love. Right? Now, if you're calling being judgmental, preaching the word, then guilty as charged. But we're going to preach the word because that, that's the you're not going to get healthy unless you get rid of the sin. End of the day. End of the story. But I want to tell you, that devil will stand on your shoulder and he will keep you from coming to the very place that will relieve you of your spiritual weariness, of a group of people, truth be known, going through the same things you have, have walked through the same struggles in life, have handled all kinds of terrible things, sometimes worse than what we've experienced. And the devil will sit and he will keep people at home. He will keep people from coming to the door, not just our church, but every church. And he will hinder them and he'll get on their ear and he'll whisper to them and he'll tell them lies and that's why I believe church it is time for us to stand up and say shut up devil you're not going to lie to me anymore I am tired of being spiritually weary I am coming to God's house for transformation I am coming to encounter the living God I am coming to encounter God with his people and no amount of lie is going to shut me down no amount of mistruths is going to shut me down I am going for God God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, it's time to let the death stop, keep the devil from, from manipulating us. It's time to stop the devil from lying to us and shutting us down and empowering the liar by believing his lies. I want to tell you, my friends, if we are going to shake off spiritual weariness, we got to have a family around us. And what's that? Probably everybody that needs to hear that ain't here today. Maybe not. But I'm just saying, a lot of times, it's, it's, those, it's those moments, right? And we, say, we start believing lies, and we become spiritually weary, and the devil wants to keep you from the very place where you can be recharged, remade, re-empowered, re-filled. That's what the Holy Spirit is here to do today. That's what he told me to preach to you today. I'm done. But I feel like I want to pray for people today. Head bowed, eyes closed. Let's just ask the Lord to come speak to us right now. Just right where you're at. Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Lord, are my issues spiritual weariness? Are my issues spiritual weariness? Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's all stand together right now. Let's together, let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's just welcome Holy Spirit. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs>
Don't forget, friends, I am here to help you punch the devil in the jaw this morning. And when I'm praying for you, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not up here thinking, oh, that's been their problem. Oh, I wonder what they've been. No, 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 no. I'm thinking one thing. My friend needs my help punching a lying devil in the jaw. That's the only thing I'm thinking of. I promise you. I want to help you deliver the knockout punch to a lying devil who's been trying to discourage you, who's been trying to shut you down, who's been trying to silence your voice, who's been trying to keep you keep you just kind of out on the on the perimeter and the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reinvigorate you. He wants to re-empower you today. And I want to tell you, the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight, something like that, right? Come on. There is power when we gather. There is power in numbers. When we gather as a family, something powerful happens and we are going to see victory today. We're going to see spiritual weariness get broke off of people today. There's going to be spiritual batteries charged up today. In Jesus' name. Will you let me help you? Will you let me pray for you? It's a, I feel like it's the one thing I can do. It's the one thing that I can do. I don't do a whole lot of things real well in life, but I can pray for people. And I love to pray. And I, I can help you. And I've seen God touch people when I pray. It has nothing to do with me because my pockets are empty. But there is some transference that happens when you lay hands. Paul told the Romans, I need to come so I can impart some spiritual gifts on you. We, we read through the New Testament, there's something powerful that happens when brothers and sisters lay hands on each other. It's a, it's a point of faith. It's a, it's a point of a, a transference of the Holy Spirit from heaven to you. And we're just going to believe for that this morning. If you feel like you are struggling a little bit with spiritual weariness, listen, don't suffer in silence. Don't suffer in silence. Don't try to tough through it. Come on. You've got, you, we, we're going to flex on the devil today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Lord is going to refresh you today. Don't let the devil lie any longer. If you're struggling with it right now, I want you to come. Come. See, I'm struggling with some spiritual weariness. I don't care who you are. I don't care what title you hold here. That's absolutely irrelevant to me. But if you're struggling with spiritual weariness, come, come, come. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.